0: that's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DDW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18.
0: Plus. Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio.
2: Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on World Footprints Radio. And in celebration and in honor of our national award from the North American Travel Journalists Association, we are presenting an encore of the show that helped us earn this prestigious award called On the Road to Freedom.
3: On this show, we interviewed author Charlie Cobb and fellow travelers Scott Hartley and Christine Bischoff, were are transformed by what they experienced on their journey through the American South along the Civil Rights Trail, places chronicled in Charlie's book entitled On the Road to Freedom.
2: We're honored to have received such a prestigious award from NACHA, the North American Travel Journalists Association, and we hope that it's the first of many. Also, we hope that this validates a commitment we've made to you to bring you meaningful, transformative travel journalism through World Footprints Radio. To sit back and relax and enjoy as we present an encore presentation of our NACHA award-winning show, On the Road to Freedom. In his book, On the Road to Freedom, author Charles Cobb brings alive the voices of many heroes of the civil rights movement. His accounts of events from Washington, D.C. through eight southern states takes us off the beaten path to experience the grassroots movement, its history, triumphs, and devastating losses. Charles Cobb is a former civil rights activist, a founder of the National Association of Black Journalists, and senior writer for AllAfrica.com. He is joining us today from the campus of Brown University in Rhode Island, and we'd like to uh, welcome him to our show. Welcome, Charlie.
1: Well, thank you, Tanya. I'm pleased that you invited me.
2: Well, we wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) You know, uh, there, there have really been a lot of firsts. You know, over this last year, the election of Barack Obama as the first African American president, uh, Tony Dungy as the first African American football coach to win a Super Bowl, and most recently, Mike Tomlin as the second African American and youngest coach to win a Super Bowl. Uh, today, the confirmation of Eric Holder as the first African American attorney general, and the recent election of Michael Steele as the first African American to chair the Republican National Committee. As, as someone in your shoes who was once on the front line of the civil rights movement, tell us what these events mean to you.
1: Well, these first, if I can use that phrase, strike me, uh, and I—it I, seems to me these first are directly connected to the civil rights struggle that began unfolding with, really, with the start of World War II and accelerated through the 1950s and 1960s. I just don't think uh, that you can understand the expansion of the participation of minorities and women, for that matter, in both the Republican and Democratic Party, without looking at the civil rights struggle that really laid the foundation for that, if only by expanding uh, the black vote. Mm
4: Mm-hmm
2: now you know as as someone uh, or with with president obama and of course you know we know the 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 black vote was was very prevalent in in this last election actually the minority vote was very prevalent in this last last election but uh with with him and the first lady uh and family now residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue um this really takes on an additional significance as an afro american um, as, as you like to, to say, is historical center. I mean, and chapter one of your book begins in Washington, your hometown. Yeah. Talk to us about D.C.'s place on the road to freedom and in the civil rights struggle.
1: Well, you've got. There are two levels in which you have to look at Washington, and I do that in the book. One is in terms of what I call the founding contradiction. That that is, on the one hand, you have a document, for instance, like the Declaration of Independence, which are are some of the finest political words ever written, in my view, and certainly Thomas Jefferson, who wrote it, one of the founders of the country, considered it his best work. Yet many of the people uh, involved in the founding of the country and articulating ideas of freedom were slaveholders. So you kind of got this contradiction on one hand, and that's one of the great symbolic things about Barack Obama and Michelle and the kids. It kind of turns that notion of the United States right on its head.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, at the same time, and I don't think people realize this, uh, some of the earliest kinds of direct action protests uh, that are usually associated with the 1960s were taking place in Washington, D.C. in the 1930s and 19. 40s. You know, uh and I and I try and bring some of that, you know, uh front front and center. In fact, I argue that what we might think of as the modern civil rights era uh uh Starts with a Lincoln Memorial concert of Marian Anderson in 1939, because mm. she, she was singing there at the Memorial, because the daughters of the American Revolution wouldn't let her sing in Constitution Hall. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth Clark, who who really was the psychologist who persuaded right. uh, the Supreme Court of the psychological damage of segregation, got arrested in 1935 for protesting segregation in the nation's cap at the restaurant in the nation's capital, So there are lots of places in D.C. that you can go to and it gives you a different image of the city.
3: Now, Charlie, this is Ian here. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, Your book, On the Road to Freedom, A Guided Tour of the Civil Rights Trail, takes us to a lot of places in uh, the South and uh, and, uh, you focus in on some of the places that are near to Washington, but uh, I want you to talk about uh, uh, the book as as something being more than just really a, a guidebook of historical sites, because it really does capture not only the places, but the people, and you've got these great stories and these anecdotes that you share with people along this trail. Talk to us about, uh, about the book and uh, really the spirit that's uh, uh, imbued in the book.
1: Well... You know, I'm a movement person. I come out of the Southern Civil Rights Movement. I was deeply involved with Mississippi's movement. So the whole idea of the book was to connect places to people. You know, mm-hmm. Americans travel a lot. They tour. And there are a lot of people who are important to the movement who are obscure. And I thought the best way to to make them visible was to take people to places. And then, within the you know, so if you have this book it will not only guide you to, say, uh, where, say, somebody like Hank Thomas, a name not very well-known, but was one of the original Freedom Riders, sat in and got arrested in 1960. But you see Hank as well as this Woolworth, which is now a T-shirt shop. Uh, I want to, you know, I direct people to museums that I think tell people's stories well, like the Small Voting Rights Museum in Selma, Alabama. My idea... Because in this culture, meaning U.S. culture, where we tend to only look at the famous, was to bring the not-so-famous to Mm -hmm. the forefront. And, And my device, which is in some respects a writer's device for doing that, is to take. People to places, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer's gravesite, and not far away, Amsey Moore, a name not very well known, but was absolutely essential to Mississippi's movement, his gravesite. And uh, so there are lots of little tiny museums that people wouldn't make their way to unless they knew because of reading this book. Even in Washington, D.C., I don't know how many people know that it's possible to take what might be called. A Black History tour through the mm-hmm. paintings in the U.S. Capitol.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there are lots of things. Like I don't know. I mean, I could go on and on and on this mm-hmm. afternoon, listing state by state, places
2: uh, and people. And, and, he, and you know, we we actually took a uh, a, a Black History tour, uh, guided tour through D.C. Um, uh, last year, last mm-hmm. summer. And, you know, some places, of course, were were, were well known to us. Um, I must say that we did eat at Ben's Chili Bowl for the very first time, even though I had walked past that place <laughs> millions of times before. Um, and uh, and then we went to, we visited the museum.
3: Yes, the Anacostia Community yeah. Museum, yeah. part of the Smithsonian.
2: Beautiful Smithsonian Museum that I could not find if I wanted to today because it's so... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's, it's so far to, deep in the yeah. In southeast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Or even places in downtown Washington, people don't really know about, like, what used to be the old hex department store mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. on on 7th Street, uh, 7th and F Street, you know, it, uh, which is now a kind of high-end uh, 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 condominium and a set of law yeah. But very few people know that ground floor is devoted to an exhibit to one of the great women of civil rights struggle in Washington, D.C. Mary Church Terrell, who also was mm-hmm. one of the founders of the NACP. And that you can see in sculpture by Elizabeth Caitlet in there, paintings. Uh, there are lots of little places like that in different corners. Uh, Frank Smith's uh, Civil War Museum up on U Street to the yeah. soldiers. Um, you know, uh, in northeast Washington, in Lincoln Park, on one end of the park is a statue of, uh, of Abraham Lincoln. On the other end of the park is is the is memorial to Mary McLeod Bethune, another great woman who founded the National Council of Negro Women.
3: Charlie, one of the things about the book is that it's not just an objective book, per se, in that no. it's it's also part of your personal experience as well and 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 I know one of the uh, stories in the book that I enjoyed was when you were part of SNCC and uh, you were in Atlanta in December of 1963. You had uh, just finished a meeting with uh, the then Kenyan Vice President right. Odinga, and uh, you and uh, several famous people, including uh, James Farmer and 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 a few of the other young people of the movement of that day, decided to go get some coffee. At the uh, Toddle House, and that really started a uh, a uh, kind of a, a protest. Tell us about that.
1: Well, what had happened was we had uh, firstly uh, we were all in town for a meeting in 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 Atlanta, and we heard that Ogingo Odinga, then the vice president of newly independent Kenya, was in Atlanta, and that he was not only in Atlanta, he's staying at this posh downtown hotel, which, as far as we knew, had never had any black people staying in it. <laughs> So, you know, aside from the interest in Africa, which we were becoming interested in you know it was this really caught our attention and and we went down to talk to him and he welcomed us we spent about an hour with him, and he's talked to us about kenya and and their political independence struggle. And we're young people uh well, we left him, and the title house was actually in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So we decided uh to sit down, have a cup of coffee, and talk to each other about what we had learned from talking to this African leader, Of course, Mr. Ogingo Odinga staying upstairs, notwithstanding that particular restaurant was still racially segregated, mm. and we were quickly asked to leave, which of course, we refused to do. I mean we <laughs> I mean, were talking to this African, how could we now? Yeah. Uh, leave well. We, uh, to make a very long story short, we all got arrested, <laughs> taken off uh-huh. to to jail. I don't know if, if Ogingo Odinga ever heard about that. I I talked to his son because I cover a lot of African news, and his son is an important Kenyan politician. And he just laughed. He thought the story was <laughs> hilarious. And there's also uh, one of the people who was arrested actually wrote a song about the event, Ogingo Odinga, which became very popular in mm. the movement. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish we had a copy of that. We'd play that during that. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, there used to be a, a, a publishing company called Sing Out, uh, which uh, published both records and uh, printed lyrics. Mm. And uh, I don't know what kind of incarnation it is in now, but there may be a version <laughs> of it.
2: <laughs> well, well, we would have played that. We're we're going to, uh, during our, our break, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Charlie Cobb, author of On the Road to Freedom. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, and we'll be back right after this break.
1: Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio.
5: Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov slash swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS.
1: Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself? Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call
0: 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov.
2: With great privilege comes great responsibility.
0: Carter Fleming, Community Center Volunteer.
2: The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s, and we as a generation can still impact our country.
4: Lead,
0: inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service station.
2: Creative Cross Stitch is a detailed cross-stitching site dedicated to assisting you along your journey of learning cross-stitching. The website is filled with vital information like various stitches used, cross-stitching terms, patterns, and other very important and helpful information. Check us out at creativecrossstitch.com. That's creative-cross-stitch.com. CreativeCrossStitch.com, your premier cross-stitching resource site.
0: This is President Barack Obama. In the story of America, the greatest chapters are moments of challenge when we see people serving their country and one another. Volunteers who step forward into hospital corridors and church basements, along levees and fire lines. And the next chapter is yours to help write. Sign up to volunteer at USAService.org. That's USAService.org. Let's renew America together.
3: A message from Renew America Together. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
2: Hi, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick.
3: And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick.
2: A few years ago, we decided to leave our respective legal practices to live a more purposeful travel life and help others leave positive footprints.
3: World Footprints was born and was quickly recognized for its award-winning journalism. We've covered events from the Olympics to a Titanic expedition, and we've discussed conservation, environmental, and public diplomacy initiatives.
2: Join us for award-winning radio and visit our website, worldfootprints.com, for daily travel deals and comprehensive travel information.
5: Hey, this is Amy. I'm from Manitoba. Woo, Manitoba! I love listening to World Footprints Radio. Rocks my socks.
0: You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya
3: and Ian Fitzpatrick. And welcome back. Today's show is an encore presentation of On the Road to Freedom. The North American Travel Journalists Association awarded this show first place in the travel broadcast category in its 2009 awards competition. Here's more of our conversation with Charlie Cobb. Charlie, as we were going to break, uh, we had a chance to kind of talk about uh, talk about the book and talk about kind of the connection between the people and the places that you chronicle in the book. And so many of the places that are along the civil rights trail are important, not because of what's standing there today, but because of uh, what happened there. And in so many instances, some of these towns in the Deep South, time really has pass them by where there's only a a historical marker to kind of mark what's there. And in some instances, there's no marker at all because some of these places just want to forget about what happened there. Uh, Why do you think it's important to really bring these places alive through the stories that you tell in this book?
1: Because partly I think what the civil rights movement demonstrates is the strength of ordinary people to make change. And understanding that is as relevant today as it was 40-some-odd years ago. Uh, you know, take Atlanta, where, 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 where the student movement in Atlanta, through their activities, I argue in the book, uh, resulted in the election of John F. Kennedy as president and I tell that story in the book and over and over and over again when you go to these places you see you know how ordinary they were these are working people or they're sharecroppers maids and cooks and day workers mm-hmm. and and you get a sense that you know you don't have to be a big shot you don't have to be a Martin Luther king uh to influence society that's a big lesson that comes out of the civil rights movement and I think going to various places, even if they're not marked or even if they're not well marked, because, you know, as a writer and doing the book, I had to make some hard choices. And I, if there are many places I don't mention in the book because they're not marked, you know, and because this is a travel book, mm-hmm. you know, I try and steer people to, to places that are not only significant and perhaps not well known. But are also marked. The South is just beginning to recognize that there's some value in marking many of these
6: sites.
2: Yeah, and you know, in, in our next half hour, you know, we're going to to speak to two uh, two individuals. To uh, one is a, a former NAACP attorney. Uh, that I used to work with, and another gentleman uh, is an assistant uh, professor uh, up in Massachusetts, and they individually took separate journeys along the Civil Rights Trail through Alabama, Mississippi, and and parts of Louisiana just to experience it for themselves. And one of the the things in talking to one of the individuals that um, I heard about uh, is that Emmett Till, um, the marker there for for him was, was very tiny, but recently I heard on the news that somebody had defaced or, or removed the marker, and 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 I heard that also. I think about James Meredith. There's there's another marker, uh,
4: uh,
2: but but you know, and, and and I find that extraordinary during this time when the country feels to be you know to me as 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 um, a younger person uh, progressing. Um, I, I find that extraordinary that people are destroying very important history.
1: Well, I don't think it's a large number of people, but it's true. If you go, for instance, the, the Selma to Montgomery march was triggered by the murder of Jimmy Lee Jackson, who was killed within the context uh, of a voting rights drive, in, in not in Selma, Alabama, but in Marion, Alabama, which is not far away. Uh, and if you go to his grave site, which is marked... Uh, and you'll see that the headstone is pocked with uh, rifle fire.
2: Unbelievable.
1: Same thing for for uh, James Cheney, who, along with Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman, <laughs> were killed in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Again, uh, J- James or J.E. as we used to call it, uh, his stomp- headstone is pocked from gunshot. So, yeah, I mean, any individual, you know, who is hostile to civil rights can fairly easily shoot up a place, you know, in the middle of the night. You know, you can't post a 24-hour guard. I don't know what that tells you about the country. It just tells you that there are violent races still
4: out there.
2: Yeah, there there's still holdouts and in fact my father who may be listening just uh shared a story I, I hadn't heard about. Um uh David Duke apparently uh uh accused Michael Steele of being a black racist. Um and uh you know I I I <laughs> See, I just... <laughs> that, that's a, that's a whole another segment. But...
1: <laughs> I mean there're always going to be people like that. I mean right. uh, you know they're just out there. You know I you know I don't deal with them. <laughs>
3: yeah you, know,
1: yeah. you know, now, out there.
3: yeah charlie as 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 we've had this discussion about uh, the historical markers and uh uh clearly um uh, the the part that the part of the civil rights movement that I think leaves the you know the strongest images. Are those violent images, the confrontations that took place between the Bull Connors and protesters or, 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 or some of the violence that we've known to be demonstrated, whether it was in the assassination of Dr. King or or Emmett Till. And your book takes us to a lot of these places, the uh, Alabamas and Mississippi, where, where the violence in many ways was astounding. Uh, what do you think we can actually learn about, about uh, what the movement had to go through by visiting some of these places in Alabama and Mississippi.
1: Well, to know the story of people in, in places where there was a lot of violence, like Birmingham, Alabama, or the Mississippi Delta, or Central Alabama, where Selma is, and whatnot, is to really learn, again, about the strength of ordinary mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. uh that's what you learn in in these I mean I know I, in this early part of the twenty first century, I suppose the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties seems very distant, and it's hard to imagine the level of violence that existed in these places when it came to civil rights issues, and it's even harder to imagine that these ordinary people that range from school teachers to sharecroppers could stand up to it that's mm-hmm. what you learn. Uh, which seems to me to be as important now as it was then.
2: Mm. Well, Charlie, you know, as a civil rights uh, activist, former civil rights activist, you actually, by researching this book, writing this book, you revisited uh, a lot of the the events that took place, uh, the events that you participated in. What are some of the, 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 the powerful images and feelings that stirred inside of you as you actually penned this book? Well,
1: You know, a lot of traveling was, uh, a lot of traveling for this book was catching up with old friends who came out of the movement and really sitting down to talk with them about uh, uh, movement days. You know, it's funny, within the heat of struggle, so to speak, you don't really engage people in lengthy conversation. Well, how did you get involved? And a lot of my conversation and research for this book was just that. And I was a little bit surprised to discover how almost all of us sort of accidentally stumbled into the movement. It wasn't like we had some kind of master mm-hmm. plan. We just mm-hmm. got caught up in the times. And, and all of a sudden, found, I mean, when the first time I got arrested, I went to just, look at what a picket line would be like. And before I knew it, I was inside a restaurant sitting in refusing to leave and off to jail. And a lot of stories are like that. And then there are a lot of personal emotions that came to play, you know, to visit the, for me, I was with Fannie Lou Hamer the first time she tried to register to vote. Mm-hmm. I helped her get settled after she got kicked off the plantation for trying to register to vote. And I know that Mrs. Hamer died far too early from a vicious beating she got in Winona, Mississippi, in a, in the jail there. I knew James Cheney and and and, and uh, Michael Schwerner, mm-hmm. you know. So to go to Philadelphia, Mississippi, I've got especially in Philadelphia, and I think I put it in the book, you know. I said it's a little kind of weird. I mean, I'm there and I'm thinking about James and I'm thinking about. Uh, uh, Mickey, I didn't know Andy Goodman. Mm -hmm. And I've got in my hand a brochure i picked up at the county courthouse, which is like the Neshoba County African-American heritage driving (laughs) tool. And so it's a county-produced brochure.
4: And, And
1: even though it takes people to where I would steer them, I'm thinking, holding this thing, well I said, it was the county that got these guys killed in the first
4: place, yeah. sheriff and yeah.
1: deputy sheriff. So I have these mixed emotions, particularly in places uh, where there was a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I know what it costs communities, and I know, you know, I know what it costs individuals. There, there's, there's a whole, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about death and blood yeah. and all of that, but that's a part of it.
3: Yeah. Charlie, in our uh, closing minutes with you, I want to get a sense as to what what you've heard about the impact of your book in terms of any renewed interest in touring civil rights sites and encouraging heritage travel for families and groups and individuals.
1: Well, the American Travel Association told me, one, there's been a steady increase in interest in heritage tourism, particularly uh, tourism related to black heritage, You know, that's why Selma, you know, now publishes uh, 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 black travel guides, if you will, brochures and whatnot. There's a steady increase interest uh, in this. That's why the South is beginning to mark uh, these sites. And and you're seeing, you know, the development of museums related to civil rights. Uh, There's a steady accelerating growth. Partly some schools are pushing it. Mm-hmm. uh as well uh and it's it hasn't peaked yet is the only thing I can say uh but it's noticeable uh in in many many places. I guess a certain amount of time has to pass before people feel comfortable, if you will, looking back mm-hmm. at a difficult Past. there's a growing interest you know around slavery for instance which is sort of outside the parameters of my book mm-hmm. uh, but but still there's a growing interest in in people you know approaching and thinking through that whole horrible history
4: uh, mm-hmm. in in
1: the united states and and also i mean when you do take the civil rights tour for all of the violence and all of the murders if you will I mean there's a lot of heroism. Yeah. Indeed, so people Indeed. Like to, you know, people like that. Especially black people who don't have enough heroes, I think.
2: Yeah, but yeah and, 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 and I'm glad that uh you are among a, a group of people that we're actually gonna have the pleasure of interviewing throughout this month who uh are setting the record straight so that we can have a an accurate uh, history lesson uh, today, and, and and provide that uh, to uh, to those that are coming uh, after us, the young folks. Uh, Charlie Cobb, author of On the Road to Freedom: A Guided Tour of the Civil Rights Trail. We thank you for joining us today, and uh, looking forward to uh, to talking to you again and, and meeting you when you come back to uh, to D.C. after. After uh, your lessons are over up there at uh, Brown University, thank you very much for, for joining us today, Charlie. When we come back, we'll introduce you to fellow travelers Scott Hartblay and Christine Bischoff, who will share their transformative journey on the Civil Rights Trail as World Footprints Radio continues. Hi, my name is Jeannie. I am from Fiji. I love listening to World Footprints
6: Radio. <laughs>
4: Home, it's your dream Radon, text, and living healthy and clean Make it green, green, green
6: yeah. Making it green is making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe Testing for radon is easy Just call 866-730-GREEN Make it green, green, green
0: A message from the U.S. EPA Well, he moved early That's going to draw the yellow flag Offside, number 72, five yards.
7: Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety
2: checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer. I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver.
0: Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver. Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl, provided as a public service by the station at Team Coalition. World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors, and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr. to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
1: What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Would you rather make your own way or spend a lifetime saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580. Or
0: go to peacecorps.gov.
6: I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I live in the South.
0: California is my home.
6: I speak fluent Spanish.
0: No hablo Español.
6: I have brown eyes.
0: My eyes are blue.
6: We're very different people, but we do have something in common. I made a donation to the Red Cross.
0: When disaster struck and I needed help, her gift to the American Red Cross changed my life.
6: When you support the American Red Cross, you change a life, starting with your own.
0: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org and find out about life-changing opportunities
4: in your area.
5: Health officials are concerned about a new flu virus of swine origin spreading from person to person. To help fight swine flu, cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze, then throw the tissue away. Wash your hands often with soap and water, especially after coughing or sneezing. Stay home if you're sick and limit contact with others to keep from infecting them. To learn more, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS.
6: What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether, like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see? What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov.
4: Hi, my name is Emmeline. I'm from Korea. I love World Footprints Radio.
0: And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
3: Welcome back. And now the conclusion of the award-winning show On the Road to Freedom as Scott Hartplay and Christine Bischoff share their experience traveling the Civil Rights Trail. A few years ago, Scott Hartplay and Associate Professor social work professor at Elms College in Massachusetts, took a trip to Mississippi to see the sites of the events in the late 50s and early 60s that Charlie spoke to of the civil rights movement. He wrote about his experiences in My Civil Rights Journey for the New Social Worker and developed a college course based on that journey that took him from New Orleans to Memphis one summer. Also, Christine Bischoff is a civil rights attorney who having formerly worked at the NAACP and now a federal agency, took a journey along the civil rights uh, trail as well, and she embarked on a road trip through the South with her mother to experience that history that's now in the forefront of everyone's consciousness today. Scott and Christine, welcome thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you back, Christine as well. Scott your story is a very powerful one to me. In that story of taking this journey from New Orleans to Memphis and spending uh, the significant time in uh, Mississippi, you you state that it was important for you to take that journey through the Deep South. Could you talk about why that was so important?
7: Um, I think, it, it, first of all, I was, I, I've been teaching this course called Human Oppression, and uh, one of the think one of the groups that I covered um, were the uh, African-Americans and the oppression of African-Americans over time. And uh, it's something that's always been on my mind since I was much younger. And I had uh, talked to the students about it, and I showed a series called Eyes on the Prize, which was actual footage of what went on during the uh, 50s and the 60s in the South during the Civil Rights Movement. And after I'd shown it for about, I guess, four or five years, um, I, had all, I had it almost memorized. And I, I thought, you know, I want to see these places. I want to go to these places and see them. And that was, that's kind of what uh, led me toward to, to going to Mississippi.
2: Now you um you visited both Meridian and uh Philadelphia and uh I think also the the city of Jackson, but your first stop was, was Meridian to visit the James uh, the grave of uh James Cheney who we spoke uh, briefly about in our last uh half hour. Talk to us a little bit about this and why you had to go there.
7: Um I I feel um I feel that the the three civil rights workers that, that were murdered that summer, um, 1964, uh, have never, they were true heroes, and they had, have never received their just due for, for what they suffered, what they had gone through, what their families had suffered. Um, and again, having seen Eisner Prize, having seen um, the funeral, at uh, footage of the funeral of James Cheney in, in the cemetery, um I felt that that was one of the places i just i had to go I had to go to his grave and I had a book called uh, a traveler 's Guide to the civil rights movement and that 's actually how I found out exactly how to get there because i I really didn 't know my way around and so I went to meridian and uh there was a few side roads and uh this 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 uh cemetery is real is really um sort of out there all by all by itself next to this little church. And then even um his grave, James Cheney's grave within that cemetery is by itself, well his grave is 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 by itself and um I went and i and I saw it and felt moved, felt like I had completed something, but then also got further distressed because I saw that the uh the the gravestone had to be propped up by this huge um iron contraption because it had been knocked down so many times it evidently had his brother had built this support for it, but so wouldn't couldn't be knocked down anymore, so even in death um he was he was being abused and hand oppressed
3: hmm. now, Christine, we know that road from Meridian uh travels to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is one of the places that you stopped along with your mom on this journey. Talk to us about uh about Philadelphia, Mississippi, and what you experienced there, and just uh kind of going down that uh road that uh uh so many uh traveled that summer.
6: Sure. Well, I felt very similarly to Scott that the the story of the three civil rights workers really touched, you know, we um we wanted to go to Philadelphia and see what see what was there. So when we went to Philadelphia, we went and saw that there's a little church that has the um a, a gravestone for the three workers in it. When we went, the the grass was overgrown. The gravestone was not well taken care of. It, it was very very disappointing, but also very telling, I think. And then we went to the um, Philadelphia Museum, which would be the town's museum. And um, we went all through the museum, took more than half an hour, and it was very interesting stuff. But then at the very end of the museum, we hadn't seen anything in honor of the three civil rights workers. I asked the lady, uh, the the museum worker, if they had anything in the museum about that, and she said no. And she also told me a a story about when she was little. She was just a, uh, a young child when that happened, and she lived outside of town. And she um, asked her what that was like, and she said that the, that the FBI came to town, and they came out to their farm where she lived, and asked her if she was if they were asked her father if they were hiding the three civil rights workers there. And I asked the lady, was, was that scary? And she paused, and she said, "No, it wasn't scary because I knew we—I knew we weren't hiding those boys." So, I think it was. Um, again, I think that's very telling. It's just very more a fact that that happened, but it—it it, it was very disappointed that, that wasn't even acknowledged in, in the town's museum.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, what prompted you and and your mother to take this journey?
6: Well, this is uh, something that we've been talking about doing for a long time. Uh, I started reading about the civil rights movement when I was in high school, and then work in the field of civil rights but it's also a very deep personal interest for me and and my mom as well um, she currently works at a she's an archivist at a HBCU and so we both had this common interest and so we talked about it for a long time and then we, uh, when we got our stimulus checks in the spring we just decided that that's what we wanted to do so uh, it, it was a wonderful experience <laughs>
2: So you gave back to the economy. Good for Wait, you. What we do, especially the deep south, they probably need it, right? <laughs>
3: yes. Now, Scott, uh, you also uh, made uh, your way to Philadelphia as well as uh, as uh, you left uh, Meridian. Talk to us about uh, about that journey for you as uh, you went from uh, Cheney's gravesite to Philadelphia, where Goodwin Troner and Cheney uh, met there. Uh, untimely demise, standing up for uh, civil rights.
7: Yeah, I'd like to say um, also that first that uh, I agree with Chris. I really had a sense of disappointment Mm -hmm. all over Mississippi, looking at all these places, to see that um, there there wasn't any any kind of historic marker. There wasn't more attention paid to these people and and to what happened. I, I think that was, at the end of the trip, that was kind of the feeling I had. When I left uh, Meridian, I, I, I took the same road that they were. The three civil rights workers were, were based in Meridian. That's where the headquarters were. Mm-hmm. and I took the same road that they took up to Philadelphia, and, and you know that was important, I think. And uh, when I got to Philadelphia, it was just chilling, you know, to be for me to see those places, to see the courthouse, where uh, again on the Eyes in a Prize video it showed the courthouse, and they said. Uh, uh this is where uh the, the, the three civil rights workers were taken uh, the night that they were killed before, and then they were released from there and and then they were, they were never they were never seen again so um for me just just being there um, was was uh, important but then ironically, there was a trial going on on that day, and it was of Edgar Ray Killen, who turned out to be the mastermind behind the kidnappings and the murders. In 1964, and here it was, all those years later, and someone had come forward and 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 identified him and pointed a finger, and he was put on trial for the murder of those three um, civil rights workers in in Mississippi in a Mississippi courtroom, which was also just uh, just amazing to be there at that time, to see this courthouse surrounded by press from all around the world because people all around the world I think are interested in uh, in what happened in the American South.
3: We just want to remind everyone we are speaking with Scott Hartblay, associate social work professor at Elms College and civil rights attorney Christine Bischoff about their journeys on the Civil Rights Trail and we've been talking to them about their experiences in Mississippi. Uh Christine, I want to come to you because as we make our way from Philadelphia, uh we uh reach Money Mississippi. Uh it's 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 a very important place because of the story of Emmett Till. And I know that both uh, you and Scott experienced a lot of things in Money Mississippi. But Christine, talk to us about your experience there with uh your mom, what what visiting that place meant to you and kind of retracing uh the places where Emmett Till spent that summer from his home in Chicago just to spend some time with his relatives and met his demise there because of racism.
6: Sure, sure. And first, I'd like to to also, uh, you know, Scott was saying that his feeling at the end of the trip was this feeling of, of kind of disappointment in the way things have been preserved, and, and I felt like that tremendously. And also, we started our trip in Alabama and then mm-hmm. ended, uh, went, went through Mississippi and ended in New Orleans, but it it, it was just stark contrast with what, what had been preserved in Alabama versus Mississippi and Alabama. It just seemed as if there had been a lot more Time and, and money and resources in general dedicated to preserving the civil rights uh, sites and monuments. So that, that was that was a very interesting contrast. But um, when we went to Money, so let's see, we went to Money on a day that was very gray and dreary. And I think it just set the whole tone because as we're driving through the Delta, we went up through Clarksdale. And Clarksdale was you know, once a thriving town, but we, we went through and, and it was poverty like I hadn't seen. I'm from southern West Virginia, and it's very poor there, but I'd never seen anything like this in America in Clarksdale. It was just houses were in shambles. It was very kind of a welcome to the delta type of feeling so we, we went on to money and we the first time we, we we literally drove by money because it's it's just basically um a post office and there's the store where emmett till allegedly whistled at the woman but we drove past and then someone sent us back so uh the, the whole drive we could at times we would be driving 15 minutes and we wouldn't pass a, another soul another person a car anything and so we get to money it's just It's like a bandit. So the post office is this little trailer that's shut down, and then there's the store. And when you look at the store, you're just flooded with emotions because, I mean, first of all, you can't believe it. This has happened. There's no monument to Emmett Till. There's nothing at all to um, memorialize this. But then the store itself, it's falling down. It's overgrown with plants. It's in shambles. It looks like literally if, if something hit it with any type of force, it would just collapse. And that was, to me, money was the, had the greatest impact of me, on me of any place we went the whole trip. And it was just this feeling of such sadness mixed with such disappointment that, that this innocent child had to be killed and that this is what, you know, his physical legacy is nothing. But, I mean, I know that it impacted the civil rights movement greatly, and, and some say it, it was the impetus for the movement, but the fact of what you actually see when you go there,
2: Mm. You're speechless. And 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 Scott, what was your experience traveling through money? Because you you specifically um uh went there as well on on a mission to to really visit I think what you call the little crossroads of a town to find uh Emmett Till's marker. Talk about your experience there.
7: Well, um it, it was similar. I I'd say very similar to Chris's in that. Um well for I had a hard time finding it um money. I mean, I got to greenville uh and um and then from there i I just couldn't seem to to find it and ended up um kind of driving on a gravel road through these agricultural fields and um and finally came out on 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 a paved road and then i saw right in front of me the Tallahatchie river bridge and then i knew because that was the bridge that i saw in the film and that was um that moved me very much this is the this is the river where they threw emmett till's body um weighed down by the cotton gin fan. I I knew all that, and then I kind of went straight and took a left and expected to see the town of money that I had seen in the film, which was kind of this dusty little town with these uh, um, old wooden buildings, just a few wooden buildings there. And Chris is right. The only thing left there is is that trailer that's a post post office and then the store, and that's it. Um, Everything else seems to have been torn down. You know, you get the feeling that the people just don't want to um acknowledge that anything like this ever happened um, and so uh and I felt the same way the store was was just falling down I just looked at it and I, and I just remember standing there for a for a long, long time, looking at the store and just having a sense that you know somebody's got to do something, or we have to do something, that they ought to turn it into a museum or some mm-hmm. sort of memorial to Emmett Till. You know, it, it just seemed, seemed a terrible, terrible waste of, of of his life and all all that it had happened.
2: You know, uh, you um, you you write very um, creatively about your experience on the Civil Rights Trail in your article. Um, which was published in the New Social Worker in uh, the fall 2006. My civil rights journey, and uh, you know, and looking at at, uh, at uh, your article, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm I'm actually able to uh, visualize what uh, both of you are describing, but your words are very visual, Scott. Um, You talk about money. Uh, You you get no sense of what little dusty money was like on a hot summer day in 1954, and for that, you'll have to rely on the black and white video, but you you talk about the abandoned building uh, that, as both you and Chris said, uh, looked like it was uh, minutes from falling down. Um, Just real quickly, is your article available on line because I think it's just so descriptive and, and, and beautifully written and I'd certainly like to share it with our listening audience.
7: Uh if uh if you Google um the new social worker and then there's a, when you get to that site there's a, a, a space um to write in um civil rights journey and that should take you there.
2: Okay. Now, Chris for, from money, Chris where did you and your mother travel to?
6: Um we see then we went to Oxford to uh, to Ole Miss to see um, what we could see, uh, you know to see the memorial for for James Meredith and this uh, we we drove around the university for a long time but but didn't see any memorial for James Meredith and and I know I've been told um, by a friend who lives in Jackson that th- that there is a memorial it's a very nice one but but we uh, we did not see we were not able to see that and we saw nothing in all of um, Oxford for James Meredith. But maybe Scott
2: had more luck. Scott, uh, did did you find something?
7: No, I never I didn't go to Oxford.
4: Okay. okay.
3: Well, one of the uh, I I think I think as a as a testament to the experience that each of you had uh had individually is that uh going down to Mississippi and seeing these places and and, and even though we are decades removed from from those actual incidents but but seeing the cities and uh, the towns and uh, the conditions in which they you found them uh not seeing the recognition by the communities of 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 uh, the good and the bad that uh, took place there really left an indelible impression and and Scott for you I want you to talk about for us how how that trip in a sense, transformed your perspective, uh, transformed your life, transformed your work.
7: Well, it made my—I guess it made my teaching uh, come a little bit more alive that I was able to tell students and tell people, uh, "Yes, I'd been to that place. I would really been there, and this is this is what uh, Mississippi feels like." Um, you know, Mississippi—I'd grown up in Boston, and, 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 and uh, in the '60s, Mississippi was a very frightening place to all of us, uh, in the Northeast at least, having heard all of those stories. Um, and um, it was still a little bit frightening going down, even though it's all, all these years later and things supposedly had changed. But I think it brought me so much closer to Emmett Till and to the civil rights workers and actually to Mississippi in a funny, in a funny sort of way. I feel very close. I don't understand why, but I feel just hmm. some sort of a connection uh, to the state and uh and if if they ever you know can think about start starting um uh, setting up memorials and museums I'd love to be involved in that or somehow to get them to do to do that but I I found that I've been doing a lot of reading just about the state of Mississippi and its history and its and its background which I, I never expected uh, anything like that um I also went to um Jackson um because I uh went there to see the bus terminal um Greyhound bus terminal, uh, where the Freedom Riders the last I think it was the last stop for the Freedom Riders, and they got arrested after after they got off the bus there. And, um, that bus terminal still says Greyhound, but now it's a lawyer's office. Mm-hmm. Jackson was just a very strange place because it was totally deserted. This fairly large city, totally deserted. I did go to, um, Medgar Evers' house, he had been uh, shot right outside his house. Uh, he was an NAACP worker. Um, and uh, nothing was there at the house. You know, I had the address and everything in the street. But nearby there was a library, and there was a statue of Metcarivers. So that was a little bit gratifying to see that.
2: And, and Chris, in the, in the last uh, 60 seconds or so, tell us a little bit about what, how this meant to you, what this trip meant to you and your mother, and, and how it may have changed your perspective as a civil rights attorney.
6: Well, it, I think it made it all much more real to me. I think it's very easy to get a romanticized idea of of the civil rights movement particularly for someone my age 30 years old you we I missed all of it and you just and I think it's very easy to romanticize it but you see for example Selma Alabama and just it's this poor town that just what we once was thriving, but now there's just nothing there. You, you, it looks like the economy is suffering. Or to see Dr. King's house, parish house in Montgomery, Alabama, it's a small house where they had several children. I mean, it's very small. It, it just made it all much more real to me, and it made me realize, you know, that, that these were regular people just like us who did extraordinary things. But it kind of was inspiring in that. I, I believe more than ever that regular people can can do extraordinary things.
2: Mhm mhm. I, I, real quickly, is there one place on this trip that um really impacted both of you uh the, each of you the, the most? And Scott we will start with you.
7: I think um the uh, the fact that uh, you know that uh, there was this disappointment uh from lack of acknowledgement and everything. And I ended up in Memphis and went to the what the place called the National Civil Rights Museum. and was really surprised by how much they had there and, and felt I uh, felt a little bit better and that was also this that is the Lorraine motel actually
4: mm-hmm.
7: Dr Martin Luther King was murdered, and so just being there seeing that, and finishing up the trip there um it just tied it all together and then again I felt okay um someone is acknowledging this, this you know something is happening, although I do feel i must i gotta say that there should be um, a museum in Washington, uh, D.C., African-American Museum in Washington, D.C., that includes the whole civil rights movement.
2: And, Chris, real quickly before we we, uh, leave.
6: Uh, Mine would be the opposite of Scott, where we started the trip, which was Birmingham. We went to Mm the 16th Street Baptist Church, and it was such a moving um, experience, and they have a great museum there. They have the park preserve, Kelly Ingram Park, where you can see statues of uh, fire hoses on children and dogs on children. It was it was a great way to start the trip in a very um, positive uh, They were acknowledging their history only to the mm. but learning
2: from it. Mm. Well, thank you guys very much for, for joining us today, Scott and, and Chris, and um, we appreciate the time that you've taken to share your stories with us. Thank you so much again for joining us today and for enjoying our World Footprints broadcast. We look forward to connecting with you during the week on Facebook and Twitter. So join us on our social networks and sign up for our newsletter on our new domain, worldfootprints.com. It's been a pleasure to share some travel time with you. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you on the air again next week, same time, same frequency. And until then, leave positive footprints and build a meaningful legacy one step at a time.
3: Traveling on Media Productions LLC. All rights reserved.
0: World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors, and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr. to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
2: Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive, non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners, and you can't find these deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by worldfootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sale on travel essentials and services like
3: Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy, Jr., Actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller, Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world. Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com.
2: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we
4: are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
5: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino,
0: with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.